It's time for Bolts by the Horns, LA's finest football podcast. Here are your hosts, Nick Hamilton and Michael Duarte. Take it away, guys. Hey, what's going on, everybody? From end zone to end zone, we definitely have you covered here on Bolts by the Horns. I'm your host, Nick Hamilton, alongside Michael J. Duarte, my partner in crime. What up, BBTH listeners? This show will have a happy ending, I promise. (laughs) Indeed it will. We'll go back and recap what happened in week two, which was not kind to the NFL with all the injuries that took place. Also, we'll get you ready for week three, Rams, Chargers, and we'll also go around the league and see what's the latest and greatest going on. And we got your fantasy picks right here, so make sure you stay tuned. Keep it locked. Who was right, who was wrong from last week, and will we continue that streak? All right, so let's get right into it. The Los Angeles Chargers were not short of controversy. Now, we all knew in week two they had a huge AFC West showdown between the Kansas City Chiefs, the Super Bowl champs, who were coming in to SoFi Stadium to take on the Los Angeles Chargers, who were looking for their first home win at SoFi Stadium. Now, that game could not be without controversy. Many people thought, oh, it's going to be Pat Mahomes against Tyrod Taylor. We all know Pat Mahomes is going to go off, blah, blah, blah. No. At the last second, the 11th and a half hour, we found out that Tyrod Taylor would not be starting in that game. And just before the coin toss, rookie, the number six pick, Justin Herbert, was selected to be the starter at a moment's notice. We later found out that that Tyrod Taylor had a punctured lung and he was rushed to the hospital. But fortunately, everything was all right. But hey, business still had to be handled on the field and damn it if justin herbert didn't show up and show out at moments to let you know that this kid is something special and this kid took a lick and kept on ticking i mean he was very poised in the pocket he made sure he got the ball down the field and and justin herbert scored the very first touchdown as a charger inside sofi stadium not once but twice rushing touchdown Throwing touchdown. So that's a Jeopardy question for all you Bolts by the Horn fans out there in about mm, five or six, five or six years. Yeah, Nick, when I tuned into the game and saw that, I know you were there live, so you probably got wind of it before I did. But when I tuned into the game and saw that it was Justin Herbert starting instead of Tyrod Taylor, it took all the air out of my lungs. Oh, man, it, it it was, you know what, it was serious because we, at first, we didn't know what the severity of the injury was because they weren't really saying it. They just said he had he had suffered some type of rib or chest injury. So we were like, okay, that's strange. And it actually worked out in Justin Herbert's favor only because Steve Spagnuolo, who was the, who was the D coordinator, didn't have enough film or enough time to prepare for Justin Herbert. So Justin Herbert was able to kind of get away and get around and scramble. And let me tell you something, that Chargers defense – played exceptional i mean they played as as well as they've ever played against pat mahomes and they they frustrated mahomes they knocked him around they 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 made sure they took some things away from him they they did not make it easy for him on that day at sofi stadium now they had to go into overtime but thanks to a 58 yard kick by kansas city's kicker they were able to win the game um it was a disappointing loss because anytime you lose a game by three, and we all thought that the Kansas City Chiefs were going to win that game. A lot of people picked the Chiefs uh, to, to destroy the Chargers. but Including so you much. and I. 
Yeah, we did. We both did. We were both wrong in that regard. But listen, it was a great game to watch. Uh, the defense really played well. I have to give my hats off to the Chargers defense. Uh, Joey Bosa played with a strained tricep. He's something he's been battling for the last uh, couple of weeks. And uh, you saw you saw what he was doing with just one good arm, basically, especially in that fourth quarter heading into overtime. Um, so it was something it was something to be desired. But I, I like the way Justin Herbert played. I thought he I thought he played pretty well. I know there's some throws he wished he could take back is when we spoke with him. Uh, you know, he, he was mentioning that, hey, you know what? There were some throws I wish I could have taken back. Obviously, when you went on that first down, on that, or was it third down and two, and all he had to do was go two yards, he decided to he throw it. instead of coverage. running for it. Yeah. Right. He threw it in double coverage to Keenan Allen. Obviously rookie mistake. Foot, rookie mistake. Body. Yeah. Yeah. Rookie mistake. I mean, there were some other throws that he did that he probably would have wished he would take, he would have taken back. But again, he learns. And if you watched him at, at, at Oregon, uh, as he grew his career there on the collegiate level, every time he faced adversity, he he came back better and stronger. So hopefully this will be a repeat of the same situation where he can learn from this week. And I'll be, and also, too, when, we, when I spoke with head coach Anthony Lynn, he reminded all of us that Justin Herbert didn't practice with the ones that particular week. Yeah. So he was just now getting in reps with the starters. So this week he's he got in some reps with the starters. And on an off day, which is a Tuesday, uh, Anthony Lynn let us know that Justin Herbert walked into the facility at 6.30 a.m. Pacific time to go over film, to watch certain plays, to get to, to put in the work. That tells me a lot about that young man as far as his dedication and his heart and his love for football. If you recall, and I think I said this uh, on, on the show before, you know, you got to give a lot of credit also to Pep Hamilton, who's the quarterback's coach, because Pep Hamilton, you know, really developed a, a strong relationship with Justin Herbert from the time he was drafted to where he is right now, there was an incident an instance rather where him and uh, Pep Hamilton sat on the phone till about one or two o'clock in the morning, just talking football, trying to build that rapport. So, so a lot of credit needs to go to Pep Hamilton for preparing this young man and really getting him ready for the, the NFL style of play. Yeah, Nick, and you can go into more about the details on, on Justin Herbert and Coach in, the, in our Chargers, what's latest in Chargers camp segment coming up. But what I'll say just from watching that game, had I known Justin Herbert was going to start, I would have changed my prediction of a Chiefs blowout a little bit, obviously. Uh, it's funny that you mentioned that, though, because, you know, Steve Weish, when we had him as a guest, you mistakenly said that that Tyrod Taylor had been named the starter for the season. And, and Steve corrected you and said, no, just for the opener. And sure enough, in in week two, we see Justin Herbert take over. In my opinion, he looked better than Tyrod Taylor. And we talked about it. Like, Tyrod Taylor is a great game manager. He won't uh, lose you games, per se. He doesn't make bad decisions. He doesn't turn the ball over, as you saw in that week one victory over the Bengals. But as far as arm strength, the things that he can do on the field, Justin Herbert looked really, really special. Um, and I don't think Tyrod Taylor could have done the things he did against the reigning Super Bowl champion Chiefs like Justin did last Sunday. So to me, I don't even know why this is a question. You can go into it more when you tell us what you've been hearing this week. But to me, I don't even know why this is a question that when uh, Tyrod Taylor's healthy and able to come back, that he's not the new backup uh, in Chargers camp. Uh, as far as Joey Bosa was concerned, I thought he played great, especially on with one arm, like you said. But I thought he ran out of gas late in that fourth quarter, especially in the overtime. And that's when the Chargers really need him. I know you and I were texting, joking back and forth. But, you know, there were a couple plays where where he had a chance at, at getting Patrick Mahomes, fell down the play. 
the play kept going and he could have gotten back up and sacked Mahomes, but he stayed on the ground. That's a guy who's just completely gassed at that point um, and wasn't ready to go five quarters like anybody might not be in that situation, but they really needed him. And I thought also uh, the play calls uh, at the end of the fourth quarter and in overtime by the Chargers were a little too conservative for my taste when you're playing the Super Bowl champs at home and you want to beat these guys and punch them in the mouth. So those were my takeaways from it. So let's let's move forward to the Rams at the Philadelphia Eagles, which was an early game on Sunday. Yeah, Nick, it was an early game. As I said, was able to roll out of bed in my underwear, grab my Doritos, sit on the couch, and watch some NFL football, as everybody oh. should be doing on Sunday mornings. Uh, and you know, it it kind of went. It, for most people, I think it was surprising, as we discussed on last week's show. The Rams were the underdog in that matchup with the Eagles, and uh, Sean McVay had not beaten. Doug Peterson before and they were traveling to Philadelphia and Philadelphia was upset about that loss in week one to the Washington football team. So we thought they'd come out hungry and energetic, but you know what? It was the Tyler Higby show uh, in week two for the Rams. Uh, he was the beneficiary of all the touchdowns, three touchdown passes from Jared Goff. And uh, that was really the big difference there. And we'll talk about that in our right or wrong segment coming up. But um, you know, we talked about out of the five tight ends that were playing in week two on all of our matchups between the Rams and the Chargers, um, who would have known Higby would have blown them all out of the water was the best tight end in all of fantasy. But that was the big difference in the game. Plus the Rams defense, as I said, attacking that offensive line uh, and getting pressure on Carson Wentz. Let's also let's not forget this, too. I mean, c congrats to Tyler Higby. He was the he was the first Ram to have three receiving touchdowns in the game since Torrey Holt. Yes, sir. Two thousand eight. Exactly. So that was big. That was also big. But the one thing I did see also, too, unfortunately, Cam Akers went out with a rib injury, uh, which he was unable to come back, especially in the second half. So that that opened up the gates for Daryl Henderson, who actually scored a touchdown and really did well with the running game. Because remember, the previous game against the Cowboys, he didn't have a lot of snaps. But then also hats off to the defense as well. The defense played well. Aaron Donald, uh, 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 you know, uh, Fuller. Um, just the defense as a whole, the secondary. Troy play Hill and his interception in the game to seal that game. That was big. I mean, they made some mistakes down to, that near the near the, the the late in the first half. They made some mistakes that allowed Philly to get back in the game. But in the second half, it seemed like I don't know Sean McVay threw some chairs or whatever he did in in the halftime huddle. But it definitely worked because the Rams came out clicking on all cylinders. And remember, uh, Jared Goff started the. I mean, he started the, the game with. 13 straight completions. Yes, sir. That was amazing. And I hope it, it, it just, just goes to show you that the work that Jared Goff has put in is absolutely paying off and hats off to him as well as Kevin O'Connell. So, yeah, like I said, without further ado, we will go now into our right or wrong segment as Nick segued us perfectly into that Rams and Eagles game. Uh, and we'll look back at both of the games we did and what we got right and wrong in fantasy. So without further ado, we will go back in time. All right, Nick, we, you and I both predicted that the Kansas City Chiefs would defeat the Los Angeles Chargers. You predicted 34-24. I predicted 35-13. We were way off as far as the margin of victory by the Chiefs, right that the Chiefs would pull it out 23-20 in overtime, but wrong that they would cover that nine-point spread. The Chargers covered. Uh, we should have gone with the Chargers getting nine points in that game. Shame on us. Uh, but the Chiefs did pull out the victory, and we got the the, the winning team correctly. 
Uh, as far as the Rams and Eagles go, you and I had both Rams winning a close contest, 24 to 20, me 24 to 21. We both picked the Rams to win. They put that beat down on the on the Beat them down. 37-19. We were right on the spread, the Rams getting one. We were right on the winner outright in both instances. Uh, quickly in fantasy, you, Nick, were wrong by saying start Carson Wentz. You were wrong saying to bench Josh Kelly. You were wrong to say bench Darrell Henderson Jr. Wrong to say bench Eagles running back Miles Sanders. And wrong to bench your boy, discrediting him by calling him just the Chiefs kicker, your boy Butker. Uh, you were also wrong saying to start Sam Sloman. What you were right about, Nick, a lot more than you were wrong. You said sit Tyrod Taylor. He sat. He didn't even play. That was a correct move. You said start Mahomes, start Jared Goff, right on both cases. You said start Austin Eckler and bench Malcolm Brown this week, right on those cases. You said start Keenan Allen, start uh, Tyreek Hill, sit Deshaun Jackson, start Hunter Henry and Travis Kelsey, and bench that Chargers D. You were right about all those. As for myself, I was wrong when I said bench Jared Goff this week. He had a great week, uh, was a top 10 quarterback, I believe. I was wrong to say start that Chiefs rookie, Edwards Hilaire. Wrong when I told people to start Malcolm Brown as the touchdown vulture. It was Darrell Henderson's game in this one. Uh, wrong by saying to bench him. And I was wrong in suggesting that we should start all the tight ends. It was the Philadelphia Eagles starting tight ends that didn't get the job done. I was right, though, just like you in saying sit Taylor, start Mahomes, bench Carson Wentz, which was a good call by me. I was right in saying instead of Wentz to pick up maybe Kyler Murray or Cam Newton, both of those had top five fantasy weeks. I was right to say start Austin Eckler and Miles Sanders. I was right to say start Tyreek Hill, Cooper Cup, and Robert Woods. I was right in saying start Hunter Henry, Travis Kelsey, and Higby, who was the best tight end in all of fantasy in week two. I was right in saying start Butker. And I was right in saying Ben Sloman, who you said to start, and we talked about it. I said we will come back to this moment. Uh, Sam Sloman had an extra point blocked, Nick. And you said, start that guy. That's negative points in fantasy. And we both said, bench the Chargers D. We were right. And we said, start the Rams D. And they did have a good week and they were right. So that was what we were right about and what we were wrong about. Yeah, the slow man disappointed me. I expected more from the slow man. Nick, take us inside Chargers camp this week. Tons of controversy, like you said. You being at SoFi Stadium in the press box, all you knew was Tyrod Taylor was was out. Something was going on in pregame warmups or whatever. Uh, something with his ribs, which we had known, I guess. Or did you know that he had cracked a rib in that Cincinnati Bengals game and was playing hurt this week? And then suddenly, as the game is going on in overtime, he's at the hospital. He's been rushed to the hospital. Suddenly, that was like, what? And then yeah. we find out on Monday that he was given a shot into those ribs by the team doctor they were the clear on who the exact physician was right and he punctured his lung which can happen in that case it's extremely rare they said um it's scary 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 stuff there's going to be an investigation by the nfl players association into this matter if i was Tyrod taylor i would be extremely pissed nick you're messing with my career here not just talking about from a health standpoint talking about this is going to be the fourth time if he does not regain that starting job the fourth time because of an injury or something fluke that he loses the starting job to a, a younger quarterback who's come in after him last that happened was in Cleveland with Baker Mayfield. So Nick, take us inside all of this drama. Yeah. Let me, let me break it all down before you, you, you let the cat out the bag, man. But no, 
Um, first and foremost, we 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 were shocked that you know what happened with Tyrod because we had no idea what happened to him. They weren't really giving us a lot of information on that day, which was that Sunday. Found out later that Monday uh, that he had, punct- had punctured a lung on a- accidentally punctured a lung. That Monday, uh, head coach Anthony Lynn was asked, um, was he angry? What did he feel, uh, especially with having a procedure like that has been done numerous times on numerous players? It wasn't his. It wasn't the, the, the medical staff's first merry-go-round. They've done it before. Um, but, you know, that's a quarterback that you had high regard for. That's a quarterback that, that Anthony Lynn believed in. Obviously, that's why he brought him in and kept him on board. Um, and now you, you prematurely ended his, his season. Uh, because we don't know when Tyrod Taylor is going to come back. Anthony Lynn said that, hey, it's a week-to-week situation. We don't know when he's going to come back. Uh, right now, you know, Justin Herbert will be filling in for week three. Easton Stick will be the number two quarterback uh, as they face the Carolina Panthers. Uh, yeah, Nick, this this you, you, you mentioned that Anthony Lynn and uh, the Chargers were still a little bit mysterious about Tyrod Taylor's condition and what happens. I reached out once I heard that it was a punctured lung uh, to a friend of mine who's an emergency medicine doctor who sees mm-hmm. punctured lungs come into the ER all the time. She said, you know, typically uh, if you get to it right away and can diagnose it right away, uh, you know, it's only a couple days stay or you can be released the same day. It's not that big of a deal. But to fully, fully heal, especially when you're playing a sport like football where you're hit very hard, that six to eight weeks uh, is it is it realistic timeline and something like that. So my question to you is, is, you know, especially with the 0-2 Carolina Panthers coming into SoFi Stadium this Sunday uh, without Christian McCaffrey, I might add, if Justin Herbert goes out there and lights the world on fire, gets the win, and let's say it is minimum six weeks for Tyrod Taylor, and over that time, Justin Herbert can go 4-2 and two or 5-1, and one. how can you all in good consciousness, Nick, give the keys to the car back to Tyrod Taylor at that point? Well, you absolutely can't, and I think – it made it even harder after the Kansas City loss because how, of how Justin played, of how poised he was, of how well he took hits, especially when he got cracked by the honey badger and got right back up as if nothing happened. That took a lot of heart. A lot of the guys on the team even gave him a lot of props for that, and I think they that grew their respect level for him uh, to be such a tough rookie in the way that he was. So I think it's, it's extremely hard. I think we were questioning this week, hey, if Tyrod didn't have that injury, you know, he was going to be the starter for week three. And and we all know he wasn't that impressive in week one. So when Ju- when, when Justin Herbert came in and, and did the damage that he did, it was it was already a hard road. It just made it even harder. So now as you, I agree with you. If he goes four and two or five and one, um, it's going to be extremely hard if Tyrod is, is healthy and well uh, to get back under center as the starter. But first and foremost, you know, we, we all hope that Tyrod – beyond his career his life is going to be okay he's going to be able to have a live and continue to live a normal life uh without any um you know any other serious injuries or you know complications as a result of that punctured lung because that's a very serious injury uh, when you have a punctured lung so we all wish the best for tyrod taylor hope he has a speedy recovery uh just as a lifestyle beyond the football team I agree. And and to go back to our interview with Steve Weish from NFL Network, um, you know, we all asked the question. It's a question that everyone's asked this year. How long until Justin Herbert is named the starting quarterback for the Los Angeles Chargers? And, 
most people thought the way Steve Weish thought. Well, it depends on how the Chargers perform on the field. If they struggle, if they come out of the gate two and four, at some point they'll go to Justin Herbert. Nobody had a punctured lung given to you by a team doctor that you trust that is supposed to get you ready to play week two of the game. Instead, knocks you out of the game and potentially for multiple months with a serious injury like this. Nobody had saw that coming as the reason or what would it take to get Justin Herbert starting. It's just a crazy, unfortunate, um, and very scary incident that happened to Tyrod. You know, so there was a lot going on when, you know, there was a lot of questions about who knew, um, how did, how is this going to be going moving forward? We, we know about the news with the NFLPA and Tyrod's agent and Tyrod, I think a lot of the players that were asked about the medical staff kind of were, you know, in a hush-hush. They didn't want to really speak about the medical staff too much. Um, they were kind of very guarded, at least my estimation, it seemed that they were very guarded when they were asked those questions um, for whatever reason. So all in all, they still had to get a, get a weekend of practice. Uh, Justin Herbert was practicing with the ones that I mentioned earlier in the show. And... Um, so then we, we obviously the situation happened with Breonna Taylor with the grand jury case, which we all extremely disappointed. But those of us that know, we weren't surprised. And I know a lot of the players beforehand, we know about the Chargers taking taking a stand, um, you know, boycotting when they were going to their scrimmage at SoFi for the first time. They decided to boycott and not have a scrimmage or a practice that particular day. Um, there were a lot of players that wore Breonna Taylor's name on the back of their helmets. Uh, so many other names that have been a victim of police brutality or some form of white supremacy um, where they were the victim of, of you know, being murdered or, or maimed in some way, shape or form, like we, we witnessed about Jacob Blake. Um, so I asked Isaac Rochelle, you know, have, what, what were your thoughts on, um, you know, what transpired with the grand jury's decision about the Breonna Taylor case? Um, you know, if anybody was familiar, uh, Isaac Rochelle uh, has been very involved with social injustice and trying to bring awareness with voting and, uh, you know, just really reaching out to various communities. So just wanted to get his thoughts and in, in, in where he stood, uh, you know, with the verdict, with the decision rather, and, and where he plans to do post decision. Um, so he really gave a very insightful answer and just said he's going to continue his work that he's been doing. But, yeah, he's definitely disappointed. Like a lot of the players in that locker room were disappointed uh, at the decision. A lot of people in this country were disappointed at the decision uh, that, that transpired, but they were going to, that wasn't going to stop their work. They were going to continue to work, continue to, to, to do what they, they set out to do, which was to continue to fight for justice in this country for black people uh, and people of color. And so, uh, you know, I have to applaud him for what he stood for and what he continues to stand for. I have the utmost respect for Isaac Rochelle and so many other guys in that locker room uh, that stood tall, as well as the Rams locker room uh, that also stood tall and, and represented um, in, in, in the aftermath of uh, the Breonna Taylor decision. So, uh, you know, guys are getting ready for Teddy Bridgewater. There will be no Christian McCaffrey this week uh, for the Carolina Panthers. So that's going to be a different dynamic offensively. We know how important and how uh, prolific uh, Christian McCaffrey is in that offense. So Teddy Bridgewater is definitely going to have his hands full. It was funny because we talked to Denzel Perryman. Um, and Benzel Perriman, you know, they, they fate him and, and Teddy Bridgewater have faced off since they, they were kids in high school. Uh, so this is kind of a, 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 a subtle, warm, lukewarm, I should say, family reunion for Denzel Perriman and Teddy Bridgewater um, as they're going to collide on Sunday. But it's just interesting how 
a lot of these guys are continuing on with the business at hand with so much on their hearts, with so much on their minds uh, and everything that's going on in this country. So uh, that's the latest from Chargers camp. Uh, they're continuing to practice. Um, you know, Rayshon Jenkins uh, wasn't out there today, but he should be available to go. Also, a former Charger finally joined the ranks, and that was uh, Jalil Adai. Uh, two years prior, Jalil Adai was uh, a, a Los Angeles Charger, uh, was ended up let, let go. Uh, he played a, a brief moment, I believe, with the Houston Texans, and after that I kind of lost track. Uh, but he's back back at the facility, back in the fold uh, for the Los Angeles Chargers, more than likely to give them some help and some more depth at that secondary position in, in, the, in the absence of Derwin James. So we'll see what happens. Uh, they're getting ready for Sunday. They'll be back at SoFi to host uh, Teddy Bridgewater and the Carolina Panthers at 105 Pacific time. All right, Nick, I'm glad you brought up uh, the death of Breonna Taylor and um, the charges and the indictment that came down from that grand jury in Louisville, Kentucky. Uh, this is a topic that is not just in the NFL, uh, but is in the sports world and the entire country as a whole. And I'm not even going to get into um, the blatant just just lack of justice in this case or in this in this story or or the complications of, of the entire thing, which I know there are thoughts and opinions on both sides of everything. But at the end of the day, the coroner called Breonna Taylor's death a homicide and nobody uh, a homicide means murder and nobody was was charged at all for a murder, just wanton endangerment, which is ludicrous to me. And uh, but it was something that was also on the minds of the Los Angeles Rams this week. And so the latest inside the camp is I'm going to start with that. Nick is the death of Breonna Taylor. And, you know, the person that stood up the most during this week to speak about it, Jared Goff. That's yes. right. The, the Los Angeles Rams quarterback, a white player speaking out in outrage over the decision uh, on the charges that were brought down on the officers involved in her killing. And he said something that was very, very important um, and and spot on, Nick. And it also echoes your words that I've heard you saying throughout this. And that is two things. And that is, it is, you know, it's a tough decision. It didn't surprise a lot of people. We all wanted to see justice. It was not given to, to Breonna Taylor, uh, given to the neighbors of Breonna Taylor, who you know claimed bullets bullets whizzed by and they got holes in their walls, but not given to the woman whose life was was taken in this incident. But Jared Goff said it is every person's responsibility, every person of color, every person by religion, every person in this country. It is their responsibility to create some kind of change for this for the future, so this doesn't happen again to anybody else, let alone any black woman in this country to anybody else and he stood up and said he's going to be leading that change um and that other guys are going to in that rams locker room are going to take a leadership role in trying to do something off the field when it comes to change and so i thought that was very poignant um and responsible of jared goff to say that one thing i will say i first of all i applaud jared goff for you know speaking on that i think it took it takes somebody that does not look like me or people that look like me to speak up on it, because oftentimes um, it takes a, a, a Caucasian person to speak up on this for other people to take a listen to it, um, which is really sad in itself. But hey, whatever works, that's the plan. But my also, I will also say this, unless you're going to speak about reparations for black people who are the descendants of African slaves, 
that built this economy and built this country for 300 plus years for free. Nothing. This is not going to change. Nothing is going to change. And we're going to be right back in this situation again. God forbid. But it's probably going to happen again because they showed us not just with the Breonna Taylor case, but with George Floyd, with Armand Arbery, that our lives are of no value according to the system, that our lives are only worth ain't worth 25 cents with a quarter in our pocket. And that's the sad reality of why we were all so disappointed, whether you were white, black, you know, Latino, a man, woman, gay, straight, whatever. Right is right and wrong is wrong. And everybody knew that 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 decision by by the grand jury was wrong. But also we also knew that the, all the evidence wasn't submitted to the grand jury for them to make a quality quality decision because the a the attorney general um made sure that the evidence wasn't all presented and so um you know again i applaud jared Goff for what he said but we got to get down to the nitty-gritty we got to stop dancing around and tiptoeing around the real issue and the real problem i agree uh some other latest news nick not to to go off topic but we got to mm-hmm. keep this show moving uh Absolutely. some other news outside of Rand camp obviously uh darrell henderson could get some more touches with cam makers rib cartilage injury we discussed uh they thought he would be back on the practice field this week thus far he has not been i expect darrell henderson to get a lot more touches in week three against the buffalo bills also for the second season in a row joe noteboom will be placed on the ir he went on the ir nick in that Eagles game with a calf injury, David Edwards stepped into the offensive line, got 29 snaps. Took a little while to get going, but he played well. He played a little bit last year. He will get some touches there. And uh, linebacker Natrez Patrick was called up off the practice squad to take Joe Noteboom's spot on the roster. The, the Rams will go forward without Joe Noteboom on there. Speaking of linebackers, though, Micah Kaiser was named the NFL Defensive Player of the Week. You know, we thought the Rams linebacking core would be a point of weakness for this team this year. Micah Kaiser had a great game in week two against the Eagles and wins the defensive player of the week. And then finally, the the final topic that's been really a subject going on throughout this week is the Rams preparation. And that was one thing, you know, the Chargers were able to do it in week one, but for the Rams, they got to stay at home, especially in COVID-19 when you're trying to quarantine the team hotel and stuff. Uh, There's multiple ways you can do it. You can travel early, say on like a Wednesday, Thursday, or Friday uh, to the road game or road city that you're staying in, quarantine for a couple days, and then play the game on Sunday. For the Rams case, they're going back east twice after Philadelphia. They were headed to Buffalo in back-to-back weeks, so they could have stayed on the East Coast, practiced for a week, stayed in quarantine, and then headed up on Sunday to play Buffalo. Instead, they decided to fly back immediately after that game from Philadelphia, stay back at home for six days, and fly to Buffalo on Saturday. And those, those decisions were questioned and asked about a lot by reporters throughout the week. But as Aaron Donald put it, uh, he thought it was the best decision for everybody to have a much more normal week heading up to it with their families, sleeping in their own beds than having to be in a hotel and quarantine. And that's the latest from Rams camp. All right, Nick, two undefeated teams will clash in Buffalo as the two and Buffalo bills go head to head with our very own Los Angeles Rams. Uh, Josh Allen is having a big, big year so far for the Buffalo bills. Uh, but Jared Goff and that Rams offense is looking pretty good too. I think it's going to present some sort of challenge for that vaunted Bills defense. Uh, looking ahead to this week's matchup, uh, I think the Bills having home field advantage uh, is going to be a little bit of a difference maker in this game. 
I think that uh, it's very, very important for the Rams defense to contain Josh Allen. You know, Aaron Donald compared him to, a little bit to uh, to Cam Newton as far as his style, his size, his strength, his speed uh, in this game. You know, Tredavious White uh, is probably going to just eliminate whether it's Robert Woods or Cooper Cup, one receiver from this game. But it looks like, though, that Jared Goff thankfully does spread the ball around and does have multiple options. This could be a game where you talked about guys like Gerald Everett or something uh, could make a difference and do something in this game. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see who who gets the best matchups here opposite Tredavious White. Is it going to be Cooper Cup? Is it going to be Robert Woods? Is it going to be Van Jefferson? Because somebody, uh, I think, is going to have a big game uh, of those receivers for the Rams uh, that's not being covered by White. And I think that's going to prove to be the difference. I think this is going to be a very close game. I think it's going to be a very defensive-dominated game. What do you think? Um, no, I th- honestly, I think it could, it could go either way. I think it could be a defensive-dominant game, or I think it could be a shootout because you look at Josh Allen, who has yet to have any interceptions. I know it's only been two games, but it's a much, a, a much uh, needed improvement in his game. Um, over the over the course of the last couple of years. And then you got Jared Goff, who looks absolutely incredible um, in the last couple of games. So it's definitely going to be a test of wills. Um, it could go either way, man. I don't know. I mean, to be honest with you, um, I would think the Rams could pull this one out. I think the weather is in the favor of the Rams. It's not cold. It's not snowing. So they catch the Bills in, in a good part of the year out there. And I think the NFL kind of looked out for the Rams with these early East Coast games. Um this this early in the season where they don't have to travel so much back east uh later on in the season so uh it's going to be interesting to see how they how the the bills deal with aaron donald because as the bills head coach said hey man hopefully aaron donald misses the bus and misses the flight that way he won't be able to show up (laughs) that's how much they fear aaron donald yeah i did say that was funny because aaron donald's response to that was just leave me alone stop double teaming me not worried about me. Just let me go out there and let's play fair one-on-one. But, you know, this is going to be a reunion of sorts for uh, Robert Woods, fresh off that big extension with the Rams. He'll be heading back to Buffalo, uh, who started him and where he started his career after going to USC. He might be primed for a big game if Tredavious White isn't guarding him. So, ironically, Nick, these are two teams that I think are very similar, not necessarily in in the style of the quarterbacks or how they're mm-hmm. built and shaped, but, you know, they each have a lockdown cornerback on defense. They each have strong defensive defensive lines, strong defensive teams. Um, they're capable offenses. They're playoff teams. Uh, they're good teams. Uh, they don't make a lot of mistakes. They have young head coaches that are up and coming in the league. I think these are very kind of similar teams. So it's definitely going to be an interesting matchup to me as well. And the final thing I'll say on that is we talked about it in our in our latest from Rams camp, but the Rams made the decision to stay here in Los Angeles, fly out Saturday, stay the night Saturday, wake up in Buffalo and go. It worked when they did it last week in Philadelphia. There was no hangover. There was no sleepwalking through the first. Uh, but sometimes, as we know, the travel uh, from West Coast to East Coast and East Coast to West Coast, uh, there can be a little bit of a jet lag. There can be a little bit of time to wake up and get your body going. There can be some time to acclimate to the time zone change. That's what it comes down to to me. If the Rams are awake and ready to go from kickoff the way they were in Philadelphia, they have a very good chance of winning this game. If they're not, if they're tired, sleepy, if they're a little bit jet lagged, I think Buffalo takes it to them. Well, yeah, I don't, and I don't see them being jet. Like, I think, you know, Sean McVay has done a, a fantastic job of making sure the schedule is what it is, especially for these East Coast road trips. And I think if they continue on with their schedule about getting in, 
you know, the day before being able, as I said earlier, going to the hotel room, going to sleep, waking up, being ready to go. And, and, and it's an early game, too, so they can hurry up and get it out of the way. And so they can hurry up and fly back and don't be not affected by the time change. I think it, it can benefit the Rams in this particular situation. Nick, you hear that sound in the background? You know what that means. It is time for our two-minute drill. The two-minute drill. Nick, I'll start us off. Everybody by now, our listeners know the drill. So topic number one, the Cleveland Browns, Nick. Yes, those Cleveland Browns were recently just named in an NFL uh, ranking poll the best backfield in the nfl can you believe that nick what the Are you best kidding? running this back tandem in the nfl nick chubb and former chief kareem hunt who's another guy that i'm sure neither of us like voted over the green bay packers voted over the san francisco 49ers over the tampa bay buccaneers they were voted the best backfield in the nfl thoughts on the browns i've heard of having the runs nick but the browns have the runs in a good way thoughts on that Wow, I, I'm surprised. I like Nick Chubb. I think Nick Chubb is a very hard runner, works extremely hard, uh, very, uh, you know, a patient runner. So I'm not surprised at that for Kareem Hunt on top of that. Mm, that's interesting. I'm, I'm totally shocked by that. I think it's a little premature, if you ask me, especially what the 49ers have done. And I know that Rasheem Mostert is going to be out for a while. But, uh, you know, I would say that, that I would say when you play the Bengals, good things can happen. And that 35-30 win over the Bengals showed just how good of a tandem they can be against teams who are not very good against the run. So fine, through week two, fine. But I do not expect them to be there at the end of the season. Speaking of being there for the season, Deion Sanders, NFL Hall of Famer, two-sport athlete Deion Sanders, who was recently walked away from the NFL Network and signed on with Barstool Sports for a podcast. We all wondered, why would Deion Sanders walk away from such a cushy job at the NFL Network? Well, we now know what the entire part of the plan was, was for him to grace the sidelines on Saturdays at a collegiate university. Now, Deion Sanders, better known as Coach Prime, accepted the, the head coaching position at Jackson State University, at HBCU. And he also put together his coaching staff. According to Coach Prime, he said that his coaching staff was already in place and had been in place for some time now. Your thoughts on Coach Prime guarding, bracing uh, rather the sidelines on Saturdays at Jackson State University. Yeah, Nick, I'm not surprised, as Dion said uh, earlier in the offseason, that he would be coaching on the sidelines in college football uh, in 2020 at some point. He was, uh, I think, interviewed for the Florida State job, his alma mater, and didn't get it. But I actually feel bad for John Hendrick, the former head coach at Jackson State. I know they didn't have a great year last year, finished 4-8, and eight, but... You know, this seems like a definitely a publicity move. Let's get a lot of attention to Jackson State move. Uh, the last thing I'll say about this, it was funny because after Deion Sanders got the job, uh, he tweeted out to all of his followers, does anyone know a house I can rent in Mississippi? Uh, it doesn't matter if it's furnished or not. I'm going to be here for a while. So I thought that was pretty funny asking followers to pick out mm -hmm. the next house. Yeah, that was pretty cool, man. I think it's great for HBCUs. I think it's going to be great for his recruiting. Remind people that it is a marathon. It's not a sprint. So it's going to take Deion Sanders at least a couple of years to get the type of talent that he wants. But he did sign. He did offer a scholarship to his son uh, who was scheduled to go play for Willie Taggart in Florida. 
uh, at a university in Florida, but he decided to go and uh, be coached by his dad. So that's going to be interesting to see how that dynamic works out. But I think he can. I think Deion Sanders, who relates really well with the youth and really well with with young players, could possibly get some four, maybe some five star recruits later on down the line, um, if they if he's able to raise money and get the facilities up to par where he can compete with the Alabamas and the Ohio States of the world to try to recruit some of these big time players. So we'll see what happens. That's true, Nick. Now I have a story with a happy ending for you, Nick. Prosecutors uh, <laughs> in Florida dropped the prostitution charges against New England Patriots owner Robert Kraft. Uh, apparently, the officers who were involved in Florida in Palm Beach County had video of Robert Kraft entering the Orchids Day Spa to get a little rub and tug. But unfortunately, <laughs> the video of that was denied in court, and that hmm. was pretty much all the evidence they had. So if there's no video of the crime, how can you do it? So the charges were dropped, dropped, excuse me, and the 79-year-old Kraft seems to be free and clear for now. Nick, what do you think about <laughs> this happy ending to a very bizarre story? Hey, you know what? I guess the only person he wants to see on uh, taking a knee is the massage therapist, I guess. I tell you what, I won't be smelling Robert Kraft's finger no time soon. Um, not surprised. This is a hilarious story. Look, let that man live. If he wants to get him some action, let that man get him some action. He's more entitled to it. Uh, he's not married. He's not cheating on his wife. You know, he, as far as I know, you know, his late wife he passed away. Uh, he, he he was with her to the, the her last days. So let that man live. Maybe he's still mourning. Maybe he's trying to find a little happiness. Let that man find a little happiness. It's all right. Yeah, Nick, you know, I'm not sure how I feel about those kind of massage parlors. <laughs> they, they just rub me the wrong way. But you know what? Robert Kraft is worth $5 billion. Clearly, that helped him fight this case. You know, they say money can't buy you happiness, but it can definitely buy you a lot of happy endings, especially at the Orchard's Massage Parlor in hey. Palm Beach, Florida, which maybe we'll be visiting sometime soon. Hey, in the birds of that, my man Devin the dude, money can't buy you love, but it can rent you some. You fill in the blank. Anyway, speaking of all bad, it is not all bad for a Monday night football matchup that we've been waiting on. Thank God it's this early in the season. We, and we've had some pretty good Monday night football matchups. Last week was the Saints against the Raiders, which a lot of people thought the Saints were going to win that game. But the Raiders opened up with the win in their brand new home in Las Vegas. And so this week, we are de definitely catered to a treat. Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens against Pat Mahomes and the Super Bowl champion Kansas City Chiefs. Now, many people think that this could be a potential preview to an AFC championship matchup. What are your thoughts on how much are you looking forward to this Monday night main event? Yeah, Nick, it is the Monday night football MVP Bowl with their last two reigning MVPs in 2018 winner Patrick Mahomes versus 2019 winner Lamar Jackson. And as you said, a potential AFC championship game preview. Uh, I think this is going to be one of the best games on the schedule. Uh, I think that the Ravens are looking for an opportunity after they blew it last year against the Tennessee Titans and did not reach the game that we all wanted in the AFC championship between them and the Chiefs. It's definitely going to be a good opportunity, Nick, for us to finally see what these two teams colliding head-to-head -head could look like, especially with these offensive quarterbacks. I like the reigning champs, the Chiefs, though, in this game. Yeah, I think I think it's going to be great, man. It, it get, I, I, like I tell people, everybody thinks that 
Pat Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs can repeat and get back to the Super Bowl. But while everybody is is cheering up and lathering up the Kansas City Chiefs, they're sleeping on the Baltimore Ravens. While everybody's sleeping, the Baltimore Ravens will be creeping. So it should be a great matchup. It should be a, a, a slugfest between two heavyweights in, in at the quarterback position between Mahomes and Jackson. So looking forward to it, man. All right, Nick, we'll move on to our predictions for week three in the NFL. We will start with the Chargers, who are staying at home in the friendly confines of the $5 billion SoFi Stadium to take on the 0-2 Carolina Panthers, who will be without Christian McCaffrey, uh, as you mentioned earlier. The Chargers are going to be six-and-a-half-point favorites, Nick, in this game. Who do you like, Chargers or Panthers, and what is your final score prediction? I like the Chargers in this one, absolutely. I think Justin Herbert in week two uh, definitely got a week under his belt, so he knows what to expect. Um, I'm going to take the Chargers by a touchdown. I think it's going to be 27-20. Wow, we are on the same path. I also like the Chargers. I think Justin Herbert gets his first win. I think there was a lot of good things they did uh, against the Chiefs, a much, much better team. No offense to the Carolina Panthers than the Carolina Panthers. I also like the Chargers, and I also like that score, 27-20. All right, so now we have the Los Angeles Rams heading back east again to face the Buffalo Bills. Uh, who do you like in that in that game? And yeah, what's Nick, your final score? This is ironic. For the third week in a row, even though they've 2-0 and and defied the odds, the Rams are once again underdogs. They are getting a point and a half in this game. They are one and a half point underdogs in this game, traveling to Buffalo. This is definitely going to be an interesting game. Um, man, it's going to be tough. Give me – you know what? I'm not going to go against the trend. I'm going to say they pull it out. They like being the underdog. I'm going to say 27-24 Rams. Wow. Well, you know what? I agree with you. I think the Rams do pull this one out, but I think the Rams pull it out by six. I'm going to go 27-21. All right, Nick, we will go back next week and see how we did our predictions. Uh, but we both have the hometown teams, Rams and Chargers, this week. And, Nick, it is time for your favorite segment of our show, our fantasy football stardom sedum segment. Hit it. Fantasy, fantasy, football, fantasy, 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 football, fantasy. If you like football, then you like fantasy. Fantasy, football, fantasy. Nick, we'll start with the matchup between the Chargers uh, and the Carolina Panthers at SoFi Stadium. We're doing little things a little bit differently this week. Nick, tell me who you're starting in that well, match. I am starting for the Carolina Panthers. I will look at Mike Davis. I think he's going to have a decent game this week. Also, let's look out for Robbie Anderson, who in, in the last, what, two games, he's had six receptions for a buck over nine and a touchdown. So I look for him to have a good game. I'm also looking to start on the Chargers side, quarterback Justin Herbert, Keenan Allen, and Joshua Kelly. Let's not sleep on him. Uh, I would definitely be sitting Teddy Bridgewater and I'll be sitting Mike Williams from the Chargers this week. I don't think they're going to have really fantastic games. All right, Nick, and uh, give me your start and sit for this very interesting matchup of undefeated teams, <laughs> Rams and the Buffalo Bills back out in the cold weather in New York. All right, so I'm going to definitely start Jerry Goff 
who has impressed me thus far. So I'm definitely going to start Jared Goff. I'm going to start Robert Woods because, as you said, he could have a big game returning back to his former team against the Buffalo Bills. Um, I'm also uh, looking to start Daryl Henderson in that in that regard uh, this week. Um, I'm also going to start for the Buffalo Bills, Josh Allen and Cole Beasley for the Buffalo Bills. Who I'm going to sit this week is Malcolm Brown. I would sit Cooper Cup. And if I'm for the Buffalo Bills, I would sit Zach Moss. All right, Nick. Uh, first and foremost, I am going to start Austin Eckler. I am actually going to start Josh Kelly as well. Uh, I, I said bench him last week and he proved me wrong. I'm going to start him. I'm going to start Keenan Allen. I'm going to start Hunter Henry. I'm going to start the Chargers defense as well. Uh, as far as the benches go from this matchup, I am going to sit Teddy Bridgewater. I'm going to sit Justin Herbert as well. Uh, I think he might have a decent game, but I'm going to sit him this week because he's a rookie. I'm not trusting him just yet. I'm going to sit Mike Davis. I'm going to sit Robbie Anderson. I'm going to sit Mike Williams. I'm going to sit uh, Jan Thomas. I'm also going to sit the Money Badger and Joey Sly, and I'm definitely sitting the Panthers defense this week. As far as the Rams and Bills matchup go, I am going to start Josh Allen from Buffalo as well as Stephon Diggs. I'm going to start Robert Woods and Cooper Cup, and I can't not start Tyler Higby after that three-touchdown game. I do like both defenses in this matchup. I like to start Buffalo's D and the Rams' D. As far as sitting, Nick, I think I'm going to sit Jared Goff against that Bills defense. I am sitting all Rams running backs until I know what the heck is going on there. Uh, it seems like McVay just likes to ride the hot hand. That is not good for fantasy purposes. I'm also sitting Devil, Devin Singletary on Buffalo. I think he'll have a decent game, but I think he's going to be more middle of the pack this week, so I'm going to sit him. Definitely sitting John Brown and Van Jefferson. Sitting Bills tight end Dawson Knox. And as you know, sitting Tyler Bass, the Bills kicker. And as you know, Nick... Definitely going to sit slow man until he proves me otherwise uh, later this season. And that's our fantasy football stardom sit him week three. All right, y'all. So this concludes our episode of Votes by the Horns. Thank you so much for tuning in. Make sure you check us out on SoundCloud and all streaming platforms. Make sure you follow me on all things social media at Nick Hamilton LA. And you can follow me, Michael J. Duarte, on all social media and read my articles on NBCLA.com. All right. For Michael J. Duarte, I'm Nick Hamilton from End Zone to End Zone. We definitely got you covered for this week. Let's have a great week three. Hopefully we injury-free week three, and we'll talk to you guys next week. Be sharp. Please be safe out there. We just hope there's just better days, you know, and, and um, you hope for better days and, and, and spread love and not hate because that's what it all boils down to. So, You've been listening to Bolts by the Horns. I'm Todd Lights, wishing you a good night, everybody. Yeah.